in what was the wildest match the ECW has ever seen, and that's no small boast. The gangsters, let me get this straight, hired a private videographer to tape the public enemy leaving the building after doing interviews all night for upcoming events at 3 a.m. The gangsters had something in mind, hired a private videographer. This was a most interesting situation. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, tag punk, you win, you win, punk bang is over, you better believe, the battle has just begun, you suckers. Keeping that incident in mind, we take you now. To the gangsters. <laughs> Public enemy, first, you telling people you from the hood, you from South Central LA, the lyrical gangsters. When son, talking jump don't get you over with the gangsters, you see. You the low G, we the big G's. We invented violence, you understand? Violence to you might be dropping somebody on their head through a table. What violence to me and Mustafa is taking you by your arm and chaining you to the bumper of my car and then chaining you to the bumper of his cop and then we drive in opposite directions that's violence you ain't seen the first of it you want to be the tag team champions we cost you the bills now we tagged you again coming out the and son you in you in for a long ride you in for a bumpy ride you see the gangsters ain't to be played with we've been fine and we've been banned in more organizations and federations than you can imagine you what up, here for two reasons to get paid and to beat the hell out of you. You perpetrating, boy. You ain't no original gangster. You original pranksters. You understand? I've been living in South Central all my life, and not one time have I seen that Puerto Rican. Or not one time have I seen that punk rocker 
walking down the street of Crenshaw, you understand, of South Central. You want a little bit? Bring it on. Tonight, we beat the daylights out of you. And look what happened. If you was done with us, we'd have been left in the ring. If we was done with you, we'd have been left in the ring. But son, we got up and we came at you again. Luckily enough, you might have got the pin, but the battle has just Woo! begun. We gonna <laughs> drop it on you, boy. We gonna bring you violence. ECW, you ain't ready for me and Mustafa. Public Enemy, you ain't ready for me and Mustafa. I'm gonna let you know that on the secret, <laughs> yeah. son. We gonna put something on you, and you ain't never had nothing like this. This ain't like nobody else. You see the game? <laughs> we don't really know too much about wrestling, but we know a whole hell of a lot about fighting, because we've been slanging and banging since the age of 12. So P.E., which I would call you now, Public Enema, get ready, because we gonna kick your ass all over ECW, punk. These nuts! <laughs> <laughs> Let's go, Stoffa. This is the Pro Wrestling Spotlight. Presented by Hami Media and the Pro Wrestling Reflection, where we discuss the very best of the best in pro wrestling history. And what you gonna do when Hulkamania and the largest arms in the world run wild on you? The two soundest wrestlers in the World Wrestling Federation, maybe in the history of the World Wrestling Federation, are right here, right now. Mr. Perfect and the exclusive execution, the Hitman. WrestleMania weekend isn't complete without the heartbreak kid, and he is on his way. He puts hard times on Dusty Rhodes and his family. They think they got the answers. I change the question. You will rest in peace. Get used to it in Ric Flair, who you're looking at the man. Reflection night, Lottie Dottie Hobby nights, Lottie Dottie Vito nights, because we at the PWR podcast here at the Hobby Media Group at Podbean.com. Lottie Dottie, we like to party. And if you don't know that phrase, if you don't know that gimmick, if you don't know that line, that line was made famous by one of the tag teams that we're going to talk about here at the PWR Spotlight Greatest Rivalries Edition. But before we get into that, before we talk about these two tag teams that had a blood feud, welcome to the PWR Podcast. Welcome to the Pro Wrestling Reflection. And if you don't know me, where the hell have you been? You know what? I can't keep explaining who I am. I can't keep explaining to y'all that I am the most magnanimous one. I can't keep explaining to y'all that I'm the most studious one. I can't keep explaining to y'all that I am the oh so glorious one. 
But you know what? I'm so vain like that. I love to say it. I keep, I love to keep repeating it. It's my vanity. You know, I'm going to hell, so I want to go to hell for the right reasons. And vanity is a sin, as Al Pacino said in The Devil's Advocate. So I am the most so glorious Professor Chabelbert Cruz. And I'm not here alone. No, 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 no. I can't be alone because then that'd be a professor's perspective. You'll be a professor's retrospective. I need somebody to bounce off of. I need somebody to give a different opinion. I need to give get to someone who saw it in a different light from the wrestler's point of view. And that is this man right here, the conservative, liberal, the liberal conservative, dum dum do idiot so Tommy Wonder, how are you doing, my friend? I'm doing well. I am fresh off of taking all three of my daughters to see the greatest band of all the times. All four of us went. 98 degrees? My oldest painted her face with a star in the red lipstick. The goat, Paul Stanley, the star child. And my kids got to experience Kiss in a sold-out LCA arena. Something that AEW can only dream of doing. You sure it wasn't 98 Degrees or Oaktown Boys? I'm positive, but I heard oh, okay. 98 Degrees are, are reunited. Of course they are. Probably they'll sell out more than AEW with Dynamite 2, but neither here nor there. So, you know what? Before we get into this greatest rivalries spotlight edition, TW, you know, I think you have something before we even get into the rivalry stage because, you know, you know how I get, TW. You know when I talk about ECW. You know how I become a mark for ECW. You know I can't control myself when I'm in, when I talk about ECW. So Especially the get, men. Hell fucking no. But anyway, neither here nor there. But before I get giddy and keep talking about ECW and everything in between about that, TW, you got a surprise. I think this is... Is this, this is the where, last one. This is this is where Big Ray. We tested him last week. He he, he passed, and mm-hmm. uh, this is where right before right now he would queue up the final countdown because this is the final unboxing of the pro wrestling tees. I did this for you, Ray. One solid year. It actually might have went a year in a month because I'd already done three boxes before I subscribed for the year. Pro Wrestling Tees, if you're listening, you got rid of the discount for doing it a year at a time. But for some reason, I read today, if you do the AEW crate, which only ships every three months, $34.95. This sounds like a spot. Maybe we should get paid for this. Uh, it's only every three months. But if you do it a year in advance, you say $5 per box. That's uh-huh. $20 off. That's that's more than half off of one box. It had me thinking, maybe I'll do a damn AEW crate. And just do one every three months because I feel you like know, I, I keep get, I keep getting emails about all of all elite wrestling crates because yeah. I bought a shirt I bought a couple of FTR shirts so you know it is what it is but I haven't the I next haven't box is, after that the next box everybody in it I think you would want it's got MJF FTR oh look at that Adam Copeland uh, Dan Housen uh, the Acclaim they're all in there so it's it's mm-hmm. a good box I don't think there's any women but here we go. We're ready. Boom, boom, boom. We're ready. This is big. This is humongous. This is the, the final the box. Series, I don't even know who's in finale. it. series finale. Oh, what a beautiful, beautiful last shirt. Second from last to open up. That's straight up WCW sting, too, right there. Oh, yeah. That's, that's a good one. Early. That's, that's early. 97 sting right there. Yeah. That's the rafter sting right there. 
And this one. Wait, wait, wait. TW, wait, TW. This is the final one. You got to be a little bit slower. You got to give the intrigue. You got to give the, you know, the intensity. You got to be invested with this. Well, this is the final countdown. I don't know how this shirt made it in here, but it's his old gimmick. If I think it is what I think it is, it is. And who is that? Sammy Zayn. El Generico. That's a good one. Yeah, that's a nice shirt. I like shirts that do that. I would wear that and just tell everybody I am El Generico. Oh, look at this. Just in time for the reunion, the inevitable reunion. Oh, that's Gangrel. So, yeah. Not a chase. The, Not a chase. So the Brood is coming chases. back to AEW. It's just a question of when, not a question of if. Darby Allen coffin drop patch. I'm glad that's what that was, was him. Mm -hmm. I'm glad Dan Housen is just a pin. Actually, I heard these are cufflinks, not pins. I don't know. Uh-oh. I got a flag of some sort. Is it the Team Canada flag? Oh, it looks, it looks of the Mexican nature. I'm going to read the card. Lucha Brothers? Oh, Zodiac autographed 8x10. I'm glad I didn't take the time to open that up. Luchador Brothers pillowcase. Oh, Lucha Brothers pillowcase. Okay, right, cool. Not bad. Not bad. I don't think the pen was... I never got a Chase pen. I got two Chase micro brawlers. I got a Sting Crow. This is not a bad box. This, again, I, I could care less about, now that I have all these 8x10s, I'm going to put it on Facebook Marketplace and say, here you go. I'm going to probably keep carrying Cross and that chick. Wait wait a minute. Who is the last? Uh, oh, the Zodiac. Yeah, garbage. You know, why would he, Bo Booty why would he man have been better? B Booty Man would have been a better one for you. You know, when I saw a clip that Hulk Hogan said the original idea for the NWO was his, and he wanted to be him, Brutus Beefcake, and the Nasty Boys. Mm -hmm. And be Brian we wouldn't, Blair. Be we wouldn't be talking about it. That's it a, that's a, that's a, a what if. He did a what if that he, he he actually did a weirder what if than we could ever imagine doing a what if on that kind of scenario. That would have been dead in the water. It would have been five seventy year olds. Absolutely. So, you know what? For the final unboxing, the final reveal reflection nights, you know, I got a little teary eyed, but, you know, I'm holding back the tears, you know, like Simply Red said. So, you know, it is what it is. Now TW can save is, what is it, $170 a year money from uh, doing that? Dude, it's, it? it's 30 bucks a month plus shipping. Uh, damn, you spend 300 plus a month yeah. a year. Jeez. Like it was almost $400. Well, now what you gonna now what you're gonna spend on this three hundred a year? Uh nothing. I'm gonna start selling stuff. It's time. It's time to make a profit, reflection ice and TW's the man. So you know, TW you're gonna have to give out like a well, you gonna you can sell it off on your Instagram, you can sell it off on your Twitter, you can sell it off on your Facebook. So you know what? At the end of the show, reflection ice, maybe TW will give you you know, pay attention to his social media uh accounts. He might sell it off there, and you could slide into the DMs of TW for that particular reason. Not in the homoerotic sense, but no, for a Not like business. you're contacting professor, like you're contacting me. No, no, the girls contact the professor when they slide, you know, neither he nor their yeah, uh, Let's see, Giselle. Um, what's that one big one? That big one in AEW. Hey, Nora. 
Nora, what's her you name? You talking about Ny- Nyla Rose or something Nyla like that? Nyla Rose. Oh, that Jesus one. Christ. No. <laughs> oh, I, also I, Nia Jax. I don't mind Nia Jax sliding Piper into the DM. I don't mind Piper. I don't I know, mind them. That's sli- I don't mind. Thick and sexy is good. You know, there's a lot of cushion for the pushing. What's I that other one? Jordan Grace. Well, she got thinner. I don't know yeah, if it's the uh, yeah. it might have it might have been the steroids. So you know, I don't the know. Thing popped cool. out too. The little guy yeah. in the canoe popped out. Yeah. So you know, I don't I don't know Going how to identify you. I don't know how to identify Jordan Grace, but neither he nor Jordan <laughs> But now, since that's the final revealing, now we can get into the show right now, and it is a PWR Spotlight Greatest Rivalries Edition, and of course, I'm gonna be talking about my favorite organization. ECW, 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 and I picked a rivalry that people, you know, reflectionize. You might say, well, Professor, why did you pick the greatest rivalry of all time, which is Tommy Dreamer and Raven? I'll tell you a reason right now. There's too much of it. There's too much. It, it goes too long, and it's still, still to this day, is one of and the- it ended in WWE. No, it still went on in TNA, Impact Wrestling. Oh, yeah. It never true. ended. You can I say, meant to say WWE, ECW. Yeah, it went there too a little bit, but neither here nor there. But that, that rivalry it has kind of ebbs and flows. So, I, you know, the parameters of picking a rivalry is something that kind of ends and really kind of has a, a finality, if you will. So, the, the rivalry that I will pick is actually one of the top five. Greatest rivalries in ECW history, TW. I ain't going to say it's number one because, again, Tommy Dreamer and Raven is number one no matter what in ECW lore. But this rivalry in ECW, Reflection Nights, can be number five on a lot of people's list, TW. So I'm just being, you know. What was was Jerry Lynn's rivalry, RVD? That's, again, a top five, but it's probably like, let's say, three. You can say number three on that list. Sometimes people thought Sandman and Raven was a top rivalry. What the hell are you doing? You got an earthquake? Elevating. Elevate my mind. So I got two lights in the game. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's Christmas all over again. But, again, neither here nor there. But Warrior. I would say this is number five, maybe number six on the top tens of ECW lore. But... This was a necessary rivalry for a lot of reasons, Reflectionites. What the hell you keep doing? Did that make my fucking head there? I, I can see you. You more in the screen. You're good. Don't worry about it. You keep it. Apple. iPad, Apple is your friend. I can see you. You're beautiful. Don't worry about it. Okay. See, you just want to keep fucking with me with these lights. But again, neither here nor there. See, Reflectionites. For the audios, you don't understand what the professor has to go through. For the video people, if a track Brown, the slowest motherfucker out there. Uploads the shit. You can understand the frustrations of the professor. But anyway, what was my train of thought? Again, this is a top ten rivalries. ECW rivalry in ECW lore, and we're going to do the tag team rivalry of the gangsters against the public enema. No, no, no. I mean the public enemy. Flyboy, Rocker, Rock, and Johnny Grunge, and of course New Jack and Mustafa. So before we even talk about the match, TW, I want to give you the logistics of why this is actually one of the greatest rivalries. Not only in ECW history, but it could be in wrestling history. Because, again, you know, like last week, TW, we talked about, like, the wrestlers. And maybe, like I said, if you was a wrestling journalist, you wanted, like, the NWC to kind of make it and become that alternative. Because of not only the location, but the potential being more mainstream, more family-friendly and all that stuff. Because they had that kind of credence. ECW was the polar opposite. ECW 
is like AEW today. It's for the hardcore fans. It's for the hardcore traditionalists itself. South Philadelphia and born and raised, the ECW arena, just like the Dallas Sportatorium TW, it had your eccentric fans that were going to spend their hard-earned money all the time be in the same spot. But they were the, the, they were the reason why Rusters got over. And in late 1993, early 1994, TW, a tag team came on the scene, you could, if you will, and that was the public enema. No, the, the public enemy. And Paul Heyman wanted to create a characteristic that, you know, coincided with the times, like with the, 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 the evolution of hip hop music, TW. And, you know, that, that one kind of stereotypical thing that was said a lot. That white people in the suburbs, like in Iowa, like in Seattle, Washington, like Portland and all this stuff, all the rich suburbs, CW, were listening to hip hop and the white kids were turning, you know, wannabe gangsters. So Paul Heyman wanted to tap into that and create and use two white guys and be more vanilla ice-ish, but have that appearance like they're as tough as Eminem. So I'm trying to give you that picture and analogy so I don't give me that face. I'm just giving you what the logistics is. He's so tough. they were no, the, that's what Paul Heyman wanted to project with the public enemy's persona. They thought that they were like Eminem, but the fans thought they were Vanilla Ice. Gotcha. They, were, they were fake. They were fake wiggers on all that stuff. No, I say it, it is no. I said with the AS, they were fake wiggers. But anyway, neither here nor there. So. In 93, 94, TW, when they were there, you know, they were heels. No doubt about it. Like they said, they, they represented the streets of South Philadelphia and all this stuff. They had the wars with the Funk Brothers. They had wars with Kevin Sullivan and Taz. They were multiple-time ECW tag team champions. So by the time 1995 came Reflection Nights, the public enemy, you know, because of the way they were presented, the fans, especially that tough Philadelphia crowd, TW, they started to respect the public enemy because of the blood feuds. You know, Terry Funk did his job. They, he and Dory Funk Jr. got them over. You know what I'm saying? So at that point, when you respect you, when you respect the heel, what do you do, TW? You're most likely gonna cheer for them, and they can't became bona fide baby faces. But there was a quandary, TW, because in 1995, they almost peaked so soon that they really didn't have that kind of tag team competition because the Dudleys weren't there, wasn't like created yet. The Eliminators wasn't there yet. Rob Van Dam and Sabu wasn't together yet and all this stuff. So the tag team you know, scene was better in 96, 97, 98, all that stuff. So Public Enemy had like a, had like a void. So... It was apropos reflection nights that in 1995 that since Paul Heyman saw that Public Enemy really did not have any stiff competition to, to go against, you know, to be like the lower tier main event for the, you know, how the ECW heavyweight title would be the main event. Public Enemy was like one or two rungs lower, but they were one of the high profile matches. So what did Paul Heyman do? He was watching the tape trader. He was a tape trader himself. So he saw Smoky Mountain Wrestling, and he saw the gangsters. He saw New Jack and Mustafa. So the, the, the funny thing, TW, is the presentation of the gangsters in Smoky Mountain, 
again, in that kind of area in Smoky Mountain in the South, you know, it was apropos that the gangsters were already bona fide hills and they already had their wars with the Rock and Roll Express. So they kind of tapped out themselves too. There was no, I don't, I could say, you and I can actually agree it was really no tag teams. Uh, there was no tag team division after the Rock and Roll Express for the gangsters. They could be the thrill seekers. They, they, they just weren't there yet, TW. So, you know, that, that's the problem. You know, gangsters needed, some, gangsters needed some competition too. So Paul Heyman, you know, whatever money that he had from mommy and daddy, he swooped in and maybe stole, maybe, you know, what would you say? You know, lured away, lured away oh, the gangsters from Smoky Mountain Wrestling and brought them to South Philadelphia, born and raised TW. So I'm just giving you all that logistics right there because they needed each other. The public enemy reached a point where they needed competition and the gangsters reached the point where they needed more validation because they already got the, the rub from the Rock and Roll Express. So what say you about all that parameters? My, my favorite part of watching all of this is, is like, I get why WWE doesn't do it, right? You're the worldwide leader because you don't let anybody else know there's other stuff. People find that on their own. Mm -hmm. I like that immediately when they came out and attacked the public enema, that they were referenced as not working here. They wrestle somewhere else. I like that they admitted it was wrestling in other places and that... Um, they were from Smoky. They were the Smoky Mountain Tag Champs, weren't they? When they yeah, they were former Smoky Mountain Tag. No, champions. no. I think they were still when they first came in. They still had the belt because they said those are the. No, Smoky no, they, no. Jim Cornette wouldn't have allowed that, so he, they, then, they did what they did. Right. Then they must have been champions of some other like in indie because they called them champs of something else. And then he mentioned Smoky Mountain. So really, mm -hmm. he mentioned two different things. So I like that. I like how they made it out like. You know, these guys are established, and now they're here. They're not. Because mm -hmm. first they said they were two fans that came out of the audience, and then and then somebody goes, "No, those aren't fans. That's the gangsters. They're blah 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 tag champs." Maybe mm -hmm. he said former SMW. I don't know. But I'm stunned that the, I honestly thought the gangsters were ECW and only ECW. I had no no clue that they were Smoky Mountain. I can't we, believe we did a Smoky Mountain Smoky episode, Mountain. TW. You have to got to remember this, or you I keep just, smoking that good. They Detroit must have meat. been different in Smoky Mountain than they were in ECW because, like, well, they, no, no, technically, I can answer that question. They were different because the gangsters of Smoky Mountain was like the nation of Islam because it was not only New Jack and Mustafa, it was D'Lo Brown, and it was about three or four brothers that were kind of like security guards. It was a whole clan of, of, of dudes that were there as a collective, but only three Correct. wrestled. So that was, that's the only difference. And so not, when, I mean, was one of them. Didn't know that either. And I would like to say, when Mustafa was in there beating the hell out of the public enemas, I thought, mm -hmm. well, what the fuck? I go, instead of making Ahmed Johnson the, the new Harlem Heat member, they should have found Mustafa. He was built just like Booker T and, and Stevie Ray. And if you would have slid him in as like their third brother, nobody would have questioned it, other than the fans of ECW who knew who he was. Well, there's a, there's a problem with that because again, you know, Mustafa, you know, what, what's that kind of phrase? He, you know, he walked to the beat of his own drum, right. so he was not very dependable 
in the wrestling sense, TW. So, you know, I'll explain that a little bit later. So with that being said, I want to say another thing because there was another little quandary here, TW, if you didn't know. This could have been a year. This could have been like a Tommy Dreamer, Raven-esque feud. This could have went off two years, but there was a problem, TW, if you did not know this. In 1995, if you remember what was going on in the world of professional wrestling, no, well, you was wrestling, so I was, I'm the fan, so I have to fill you in on this. But ECW was gaining enough, ECW was gaining enough traction, TW, that it caught the attention of Vince McMahon, that it caught the attention of Eric Bischoff in the sense of scouting. They were scouting talent for Monday Night Raw. They were scouting talent for Monday Nitro. So there was a lot of free agents already in ECW because ECW was not giving you guaranteed contracts like they, 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 you know, like the two big leagues are, have done. So who were the free agents for Flex Nights, if you don't remember, in 1995? Well, I can name a couple right now off the top of my dome, TW. Chris Benoit, Dean Malenko, Eddie Guerrero, and the public enema. They were, that's your top five free agents or alone in ECW. So with that being said, TW, what, what say you? Because, you know, you're 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 on borrowed time, give or, give or take, for Paul Heyman. So he's got to make enough before. I know you're going to talk about what you saw in the matches, but in in your thought process as a booker and all that stuff, knowing what you know as a booker, you know, or talking to bookers and having that experience, you could say, you don't know if your your talent's going to be there the next week or the next month if you're trying to plan ahead. So let's say about the difficulties, knowing that these stars. But let's focus on the public enema right now, TW. They're one of the top three agents, and eventually in 1996, they went to WCW for that big money deal. So you couldn't do that two-year feud. You couldn't do that Southern wrestling feud that maybe Paul Heyman can be like, yo, I can, I can tell a story with these two tag teams because I'm going to try to explain it to the reflection as to why this was so good. So what's the ATW about that assessment? Well, I think a lot of promoters, like, if you're, like, that's why they use younger guys is because the likelihood of them going to WCW or WWE that soon wasn't there, right? Mm -hmm. So the younger you are, the greener you are, the more likely you're going to stick around because you're not ready to go to those places. But, like, Al Snow was our champion. They they signed a deal for him to do three months. And, you know, like, you're definitely going to be here for three months. As a matter of fact, he was champ. I want to say... He either lost it to Marty Jannetty and then Marty lost it back to him because Marty came in for three months. And then not long after that, Al got signed. He went to Smoky Mountain first, I think Al did. Mm -hmm. um, but it, it's the gentleman's agreement. Like a lot of these guys, if they got offered a program, if you will, they agreed that they would do the full program. But programs back then would be like three months. You, you're not stupid to do six months or one year because, A, if you're the guy doing it, if you get signed, how are you supposed to tell Vince, hey, man, I still got to do, I got to finish up these dates here. Vince would be like, fuck you do. All right, we'll move on to the next guy, right? And so you'd be breaking that promise. So three months at a time is pretty whatever. And if you got signed, you were usually going to developmental anyway. So you can just tell mm -hmm. them, all right, I can, I got to finish up some dates. I can do it on this date. And they would either say yes or no. But you'd at least have time to do one more show so you can at least drop your title, end the feud, do whatever you got to do, and then go about. So otherwise, yeah, you can't you can't 
you, you, you got to make do with local guys first and foremost, because you're not doing that with someone that doesn't live there because, you know, mm-hmm. they might just not show up one day. If they're local right. and they're within a half hour of coming to your show, they're probably going to be there. No problem. Right. Even if they got paid because the guy coming in from Chicago, say CM Punk and those guys came in and I, I never saw Punk, but I saw Adam Pierce, um, who's Gideon Wainwright, I think. Isn't he something in Ring of Honor or I don't know if it's Gideon Wainwright. This might be a different guy, but the no. Oh, no, Prezak, they Prezak, Prezak, okay. Adam Pierce, those guys all came in from Chicago, and I'm telling you, those guys probably got paid more than us. It's probably why they kept it themselves and didn't talk to us. But but at the time, I I would expect them to get paid because they're coming for five hours away. Of course, you get paid more. You get trans at least, right? Um, mm-hmm. But those guys, when you come in, if you get a hot dog and a handshake, you ain't coming back, no matter how many dates you told them you were doing. So money is what you got to do. So with Paul E, these guys weren't – I was watching – so after I watched all the stuff that we watched to talk about this, I ended up – it just played. It was kayfabe commentaries, that little nerd guy that interviewed – reminds me of the coach in uh, Letterkenny. He interviewed uh, New Jack, and I watched like – a fucking hours worth of new jack getting asked about things that happened throughout 1998 and 98 they were still getting paid so the the money problems didn't start until after 98 or you know after public enemies whatever uh in that kayfabe commentary i guess sandman was was guaranteed two grand a week and or and but but that was without counting pay-per-views he was supposed to get a bonus for that he was the first one to complain about it and he went to wcw first before public enemy i think or no it was public enemy first yeah well right well public Public enemy wasn't there long no they were there like 96 to 98 late 98 they were there for two years yeah and they got called something else no they were called the public enemy I thought they didn't get called Public Enemy because of copyright, but I know Sandman got called something else. No, he was called Hack, but Public Enemy, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Public Enemy was called Public Enemy in WCW, but they didn't do shit. They they were like, no, they were they were former WCW tag team champions. But like I'm saying, I must have been watching, man. I did not know that. You don't watch shit, man. I keep telling you, I'm the one that has to remind you what's going on because you was the one wrestling everywhere, which way, Monday through Saturday. I did not know. I thought they came in and were gone within months. No, man. Did they ever go WWE? For a hot dog and a handshake, and then they got their ass whipped by the acolytes. But again, that's another story from another day. But there's one thing that they say during the public enemy in the ring doing their little dance. What? And this blows me away that you're telling me they did over two years in WCW. Joey Styles said, these guys are ECW originals, and I couldn't see them working for anybody else. Like, they could only work here. Like, meaning they that ECW branded all over them. They couldn't do what they do there anywhere else. So mm-hmm. I agree. I, I feel the same way about the, the, the gangsters because it just – that shit don't translate to family, you know, family shows. Uh I still well, am blown away. Again, you made the sheep herders the bushwhackers and made them the biggest family draw in the company for years. Um, but the, yeah, they, the, they ECW, the ECW fandom in me said the same thing you're saying. Public Enemy was ECW Originals or ECW because they're the, that's the only organization that they can hone their talents, that they can grow, to they be can themselves, be they want, to be themselves, to write, write their own stories and all that stuff. They got the opportunity, again, like I said, the list is long 
for what they did and the accomplishment the accomplishments were actually quick within a year, maybe a year and a half span. But with that, they created a rep. And of course, they created interest and buzz from Vince McMahon and Eric Bischoff so they could woo them away from ECW and to go into the big leagues. And Eric Bischoff wooed them enough with enough money, enough guaranteed money to go to WCW. So with that being said, Reflection Ice, let me... The, the the original kind of parlay of this rivalry, TW, started with a lot of vignettes. You didn't see these vignettes because in late the early public enemy vignettes or, or promos, if you will, TW, they did a lot of hood promos. They went into a lot of back alleys and all that stuff. And, you know, you had a, you know, gorilla camera two in the morning and it, you had it had to be two in the morning. So you're going to make the 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 appearance the attraction and all that stuff to keep the keep it kayfabe if you will but they were they were always in the alleys cutting these promos but in in the early 95 of these hood promos their their territory if you will tw they the the tpe territory because they they used to spray paint tpe on certain walls that marked their territory this is their hood and all this stuff they kept noticing that somebody underneath it spray painted TOS under the TPE. TOS meant terminate on site. So they didn't know who that was, but they knew somebody was coming for them. So that's the allure. And that was one of the kind of like booking of genius, genius bookings of Paul Henry. You didn't even know who the fuck is coming for the public enemy, but somebody is coming for their asses. Again, the beauty of this TW, I'll say this, Dave Meltzer and no social media, he wouldn't fuck this up. He wouldn't say the gangsters are, you know, honoring their dates for Jim Cornette and Smoky Mountain Wrestling. And it's just a matter of time before the gangsters would be coming in to the ECW arena and start a program with the public enemy. Because think about it this way, TW, that the gangsters are coming in so hot that they're going after the number one tag team draw in ECW. So it already makes the, the robbery, it already makes it main event, you know, must see and all that stuff. Big fight feel shit. So with that, with those promos being said, TW, now we let's talk about the the real original debut of the gangsters like you was talking about because the public enemy was doing their thing inside. You know, they, they came out to the here comes the hot step and all that stuff. They waved their hands in the air and the crowd loves it. That's why I said they started to, you know, you know, they started to, you know, love the public enemy. And this was stuff that they were trying to annoy the fans with all this stuff and trying to be the, the wiggers and all that stuff. But the fans embraced it. I know you keep looking at me, but I say it with the AS. OK, but anyway, they they embraced all that stuff. But then here comes a reality check. So TW, take it over. So what did you see? How? Because again, they came, the gangsters came in with a thunder. What say you, TW? Came in and they beat the little shit out of them for about 15 minutes of a 19 minute thing you had me watch. No, actually it was mm -hmm. a 10 minute thing. No, no, it was 20 minutes. That first thing you had me watch their, their debut. And mm -hmm. I'll tell you what, I say all the time on here because of you, I feel like had I known ECW had wrestling i would have maybe tried to go there you know because this is this is when i'm in my peak right in this same window right 95 mm -hmm. to 99 los, los, los rudos against the tpe would have been money right there exactly and that is why after watching all this and seeing what public enemy did 
or gangsta did public enemy i went you know what i no longer regret not going there because <laughs> I, was Denise when I was watching it i said los rudos were supposed to be mexican gang members public enemy are black gang members i mean gangsters and then public enemy is supposed to be white gang members i go so who do you think i'd have been wrestling i go these guys i go nope they every single thing including this first attack they got barbed wire bats. They're cutting them open. Johnny Grunge is bleeding. His entire face is red. Every single thing that I watched to prepare for this episode. And and Rocco bled a little bit, but not nearly like uh, Johnny Grunge. And no one has to ask, did New Jack ever bleed? His head made Abdullah the Butchers look pretty. It, it, I mean, it looked like Basically. it was still infected like after mm-hmm. he was done wrestling. And, uh, and Mustafa, he... By the way, I have some good news for you. What's that? He's alive. He's 60 years old. They're not all dead. Just three of them are. So Mustafa still oh, okay. And his real name is now Mustafa Saeed. He changed it legally. He was Terrence Blaylock, and now he's Mustafa Saeed. He's probably over in Palestine right now fighting. But mm-hmm. at the end of the day, they beat him up for like 10 minutes. He, he, he was at the rally. I know. Setting up <laughs> with Talib. Setting yeah. up. The, the feud and setting up the first match and, and all the matches after that. And it was, it's so weird because yes, public enemy were good guys, but they, those guys got a little bit of a pop coming out and attacking public enemy. Uh, mm-hmm. But with the help of Joey styles saying they've crossed the line, you know, extreme is one thing, but these guys crossed the line. So they did a good job of selling them as beyond extreme. Like, like, I don't think ECW had that ring of honor mentality of, of the respect well, or whatever. It, it, well, to be fair, to be South, fair. Phila- South Philadelphia ECW fans were tape traders. South Philadelphia ECW fans were hardcore fans. So they heard of the gangsters in Smoky Mountains. So when they when they made the initial debut and they made the initial jump, they were not going to get booed. Like, you know, Vince McMahon is trying to control the crowd and say, well, they're going to boo them because the public enemy is our heroes. No, these fans are like, oh shit, the gangsters are here in ECW. We got a big money match coming up soon at the ECW. We know this is going to be a blood feud and all this stuff. So they were going to, ECW fans, we dictate. We know who we like. We know who we don't like. And if we don't like you, it's not going to be we're going to boo you, you know, because you're bad. We're gonna. We're not gonna like you because we don't want you in the ECW arena. We don't want you in ECW. Get the fuck out and go to WCW. Go to WWE. Go to another promotion because you can't make it in our sportatorium. I'm just trying to give you that feel and and answer your question. When the gangsters made it, oh shit, we were like, oh my god, this is fucking huge. This is big time because again, those fans knew who they were. Those fans knew them by name. Those fans were like, oh shit. And I'll say this, TW, because there's a, there's more of an, anal- an analogy that, that goes on here because there's layers. See, Paul Heyman tells a story, TW. You know, for AEW fans, there has to be layers to a story. So the layer is one thing, TW. It, the, the biggest layer is why did the gangsters t- attack the public enemy? Not only because they're the number one team, but let me use the analogy of Clubber Lang and Rocky Balboa. What happened in Rocky 3 TW? Rocky got soft, right? Rocky, right. you know, worked his way to become the heavyweight champion of the world. 
And Mickey protected Rocky so much to protect the money train, to protect everything. Rocky lost his edge. And somebody from the gritty streets of Chicago, like Clubber Lang, came up from the gutter and became the heavyweight champion. Why? Because he was hungry like a motherfucker. So what did what did Paul Heyman do? He also infused that Rocky Three kind of booking because the gangsters are Clubber Lang coming in wanting a shot at the at the brass ring, and that's the public enemy. So let's see about that analogy, so I can explain it to you. Because again, you was doing the Los Rudos thing, and you wasn't watching all the other promotions. It's funny because like Los Rudos didn't debut like that. We didn't debut coming out and attacking um anybody because it was we really it was our debut period right we weren't coming from somewhere else we but i was told in the back you guys are gonna be bad guys at first but by three months you'll be cheered and mm -hmm. i said how, how do you know that like are we doing turn or something he's like no trust me this audience is going to love you they're going to boo you at first and then they're going to cheer you and it was around the time when White meat, white meat baby faces were getting booed, right? They people didn't fight it no more. And so, our first matches were singles. I wrestled against Steve Nixon or Sean Casey, and Rico wrestled against the other one. And then the next mm -hmm. month, only one of us wrestled, and the uh, me and Rico kind of lurked around, stole the hubcap. They did all these announcements. Uh, You're missing the hubcap, car number, blah blah blah. And the Rico bonked the dude with the hubcap for me to win, and they mm -hmm. cheered. And so when you see Public Enemy come out and get cheered, I keep calling Public Enemy because Public Enemy's black, damn it, the band. And so that's the name of the team. They are the I Public know, Enemy. But the gangsters, when they come in, the initial thing is, oh, you're beating up our boys. And then when the they realize who it is, they're like, whoa. But the things they did, especially in Philadelphia, were th they, they were bloodthirsty there. So mm -hmm. it really doesn't matter if you're the good guy or the bad guy. They love when. Someone is they, just putting it to somebody. Uh, they like, love for violence. Example, they love I had this violence. Epiphany, I had this epiphany between watching the ECW stuff this morning and AEW stuff this afternoon. The AEW crowd, I think, is an ECW crowd wannabe, right? They, they like, they're not old enough to have been around for ECW, but they want to do AEW. You know, they want, they want to be called what, like, ECW's audience is the six man, right? They are part of that whole fucking uh they're, they're part of story. the experience they're part of yeah. the story they're part of the environment legacy. All that stuff. they're part of mm -hmm. the legacy and and mm -hmm. so i think aew fans are like that so when sting was announcing his impending retirement they booed hulk hogan which i thought was baseless right like he can go anywhere else in the world he's getting cheered regardless of whatever you know reasons i think they're booing him because he was the face of wwe wcw whatever not because of any other stuff and and so there's that no it's, it's the then, other stuff it's the nah, other stuff not them fuckers they don't these fuckers probably rape their sisters as an aw fan wakanda but, wakanda would actually disagree with you but go ahead tw well, i don't know who that is but my point mm -hmm. is it's like a triggered response he mentioned hulk hogan if he would have said Shawn michaels they would have booed if he would have said undertaker they would have booed because but he didn't have any run-ins with those guys so he couldn't so but i think their basis is is that but anyways and then when sting said should i be jumping off balconies yeah it's like no no he shouldn't he's 64 years old he shouldn't be jumping off balconies and then the the one real heartfelt not bloodthirsty chant was you still got it which 
he has it, right? You don't lose it. You still have it. It's whether or not he can deliver it, right? He has it in him. Just mm-hmm. is he going to survive it? But the AEW crowd, they love the shit that New Jack and Mustafa were doing, regardless of who they were doing it to. Much like if Sabu fought RVD, yes, RVD was a good guy and Sabu was a bad guy, but they still popped for the shit Sabu did with the leg drops on the chair, the springboards, all that stuff. They liked the entire show. They didn't necessarily cheer the good guy, boo the bad guy, other mm-hmm. than, you know, on cue, if you will. But they enjoyed all of it. And so I, to- I totally disagree. Everything you're saying, but go ahead. Go ahead with the die yeah. Well, again, I'm talking about from the stuff I've watched from doing mm-hmm. this. I didn't watch it. I wasn't in it with you. Mm-hmm. But I'm saying everything I've ever seen, the crowd is into the public or the, the gangsters. They're not throwing yeah. shit at them and booing them. No. That's what I'm saying. So well, whether they're there's feuding, two, with, there's two reasons. There's two reasons why you're not gonna boo the gangsters because the gangsters would come up to your face and kind of like touch you. They don't care. Right. You was afraid of the gangsters until yeah, they be until you until you knew not booing him. They were because him. they were afraid of them. I'm telling you, legit, or, they were or, legit afraid of them. Or pro wrestling editorial, or they just liked them. It was okay. Some of them liked them. Who are you cheering them, for? Who was that in this? Yeah. Uh, I actually like both of them. So I, I, were, I really didn't have. That's my point. You know, I didn't the have. fans like both of them. They liked the whole fight, the whole sh- popping circumstance. Of course. They didn't I'm care just, who won. They just wanted a good match to have a winner. It was a, it was a great feud. I'm just saying from the, from the story. I disagree point, that it was a great feud. And I'm going to tell you why. I'm saving it until we've talked about everything. Again. Because it's going to end t- with me asking you a question. Good, but this is a top ten feud. I'm not saying this is a number no, one that's ECW fine. feud. That's fine. But that's fine. it's it's lower. It's five to at least seven on the greatest ECW rivalries of all time. But again, neither here nor there. But again, the analogy was the public enema was rocky. They already yeah. reached the point at a. They already reached the the mountain top, and and they went the gangsters were and, the, and the gangsters. Were Clubber Lang? No, they were already baby faces, but they needed a great antagonizer, and right. the gangsters were the greatest antagonizers to ever be that because the gangsters questioned how hood the the public enemy were, how gangster the public enemy were because they were doing East Coast West Coast, you know, and not you know, let's just say symbolically, you could say because of the Biggie Tupac shit. But they were doing East Coast, West Coast thing because, again, TPE was representing the East Coast, South Philadelphia, and the gangsters were billed from Los Angeles so or South Central. I forget where they were supposedly from. But, again, the gangsters came out to, you know, Doc, Dr. Dre and Ice Cube's, you know, that, that song. And, you know, people went crazy for that song, too. So, Tita, I'm just giving you all the hyperboles reflection. Nights. So, with that being said, most of why this rivalry is great is not about the matches re- reflection nights. It's actually because of the promos. Every time a promo hit during the early stages of this feud, TW, I didn't give you everything, but you at least saw it within the, the, the first debut. If the, if the, if the public enemy was doing like a presser, they got attacked by the gangsters. The gangsters was questioning how hood they were. It was about the promos too, because new Jack again, New Jack had no filter. And New Jack in ECW was godsend for him because he could say whatever he wanted. Paul Heyman gave him the, the, the freedom, the creative freedom to say what he wanted. Of course, you know, 
you know, FCC did not like the gangsters. FCC did not like New Jack TW. So what say you? Not about the match, because we'll talk about the, the first official match in the ECW arena, but the promos from both of these, you know, th these two tag teams, because that's more of the selling point to these matches. It wasn't five stars, but that's the point. I like that Johnny Grunge still tried to put on the facade of being a tough guy gangster, but Rocco Rock was scared. Like, let's get out of here. Like, mm -hmm. he was being the vanilla ice, like you said. Like everyone mm -hmm. saw, and Johnny Grunge is trying to be the tough guy, whereas both gangsters were tough guys. They weren't whatever. Mm -hmm. Which side note, in that kayfabe commentary, I thought, oh, Professor would be upset to hear this. New Jack, not a fan of Taz, and said Taz, I knew that was not a tough guy. He was a I bitch. <laughs> and that I, I knew that. Watch yeah. RVD say. Pick a hand, and he goes, "What are you talking about?" And RVD just slapped the shit out of him because the week before, something happened in the match with Taz and RVD and Sabu that was botched, and Sabu ran to the back first, act like he was looking for RVD and Sabu, and then left. So when mm -hmm. RVD found out, he got mad, and he said after he got slapped like that, that was it. Everyone, whatever little bit of respect they had for him, they lost it. And I didn't mm -hmm. know he he was arrested for flashing a girl to tan in bed or something, and uh. New Jack? Yeah, no. Yeah. Oh, Taz. New Jack went to the tanning bed. Taz. And that when the police came, Taz looked at everybody and goes, can someone get Paul? I'm going to jail. Like he was scared. And Paul mm -hmm. was going to save him. But that, that was fun to hear. That's the beauty of uh, KFA commentaries. I think he also said that he, New Jack didn't like Devon Dudley. He called him a snitch or a bitch. I forget which, which one on that he one. He didn't like uh, J.T. Smith. Is that his name? Yeah, the other black dude. He said he was, uh, he said if they would have painted his lips red and put tap shoes on him, he'd have done it because he was a work for work for food kind of guy. Oh, sure, I'll do that. And then the guy asked him, Was there anything you wouldn't do? And he said, He, he was the house end. That's what uh, New Jack called him. So yeah. it, it is what it is. So with that being said, Reflection TW, let's talk about the first official match between the gangsters and the public enemy from the historic ECW arena in 1995. And again, in Meltzer's five-star ratings, this ain't five stars. Right. But what does, what does it offer, Reflectionites? If it's a blood feud, what do you expect? You expect Violet. blood. You expect violence. You expect them to go everywhere in the ECW arena. And in the first official match, TW, they didn't waste no time. It was almost instantaneous within the first minute or first five minutes. They weren't in the ring, TW. They were everywhere in the ECW arena. And that's, again, one of the things that, that, that captivated the professor. Because when I found ECW in 1995, TW, I knew I had to go to an ECW you know, show. And when I did, one of, the first reason, one of the first basic reasons was I knew that the wrestlers were going to come near me. And I knew that I was going to be involved. I was going to be in the TV, you know, camera angles. I, shut up, man. God damn you. <laughs> I didn't say that. <laughs> you did this shit. I saw Plus, that. But anyway. Act like The Rock. Yeah, right. Right, whatever. But anyway, I knew I was gonna be on TV. I knew I was gonna give the I was gonna give one of the ECW wrestlers a chair or something like that. I was gonna be involved in that moment. That's what captivated me to go to an ECW show. But need, need to hear none of that. So what say about the first official match between the EC between the gangsters and TPE, the public enema? I want to go right to it. Uh, I don't like the finish. Um, I, I think for 
for them to acknowledge that they came from Smoky Mountain, to acknowledge that they were established, to acknowledge that this is their first time fighting. I like that they fought everywhere, but mm-hmm. I can't remember who pinned who. But Public Enemy won clean, like won clean in a violent match, you know, whatever. I'm sure it was hit with a fucking chair or something, but that was mm-hmm. ECW rules. And so for me, I told you with Edge and, and Legend, when they were called Sex and Violence, Sex and Hardcastle and Joey Legend, they wrestled for the rivals across town. Los Rudos wrestled for these guys. People would chant Sex and Violence at our shows. They would chant Los Rudos at their shows. And... I called the other guys and said, hey, man, let's make this happen. And obviously, everyone would expect Sex and Violence to beat Los Rudos since we're wrestling in their promotion. But we didn't do that. They had mm-hmm. they had me and Rico beat Christian Cage and his partner, Zach Wilde. They had Sex and Violence beat the Outlaws. And then later on in the night, it was Sex and Violence versus Los Rudos, winners of the new tag team champions. It was like a mini four-team tournament, and we fought to a no contest. We just beat the shit out of each other. Me and Edge were out in the floor fighting in the stands. Rico and Legend were fighting against the gym wall. Then we ended up back in the ring, and they just threw it out. And then we had a return match that was anything goes so they wouldn't stop it. And I had the best match I've ever had in my life in a building with no power. And Edge and Legend won, but it didn't mm-hmm. matter because everyone there left thinking that was the best fucking match they ever seen, including four guys who left thinking it was the best match they ever had. So, And we followed D'Lo Brown and Tex Monroe, where but I looked rem- at Rico and went, how do we follow this? I understand what you're saying. But again, remember what I said earlier a couple of minutes ago because I said, what was what was the public enemy? One of the top free agents of 1995. So again, so you're we saying don't, they put him over we- so he wouldn't leave? I don't know. What, 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 what say you? That's a conspiracy theory right there. I'm, again, we don't know the parameters of Paul Heyman. He wanted long ster- long-term storytelling, but he knew he only had a shelf life with Public Enema because they were, you know, they were getting calls from Vince McMahon. They were getting calls from Eric Bischoff on a weekly basis to say, what's your dates? Are you finishing your dates? What's your final dates? Or whatever the case may be. So, again, I don't know if, you know, you actually approached me with a very weird concept because you think Paul Heyman would want them to get get over the gangsters for me to stay with less money? I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't even care. I would like I go if, over. If, I mean, if he thought they were leaving, that makes even less sense that they won because oh, okay. I just I'm just, I'm just saying a, that they're, they're shelf life and finish. You have a you have a a blow off schmas so that they have to have a return match that has higher stakes. On a mm-hmm. pay-per-view, this was a, a TV show, wasn't it? The first match. Well, everything in the ECW arena is 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 must see main event kind of feel. I understand no that, what. but I'm saying if you're trying to is it one of the ECW to pay to watch pillar, versus is it one of their pillar? Free? Well, remember they didn't have pay-per-views in 1995. There was still a rinky-dink indie oh, organization. I didn't, I didn't know they didn't have pay-per-views then. I thought barely legal no. and all that shit started then. Um, so they didn't yeah, have pay-per-views but, until 1997. So I'm just giving you the logistics there. Well, so build, this is 1995. If they, if they beat them in the very first encounter, then uh, who's next? That's what it comes off as. And I get it. They got beat up after the match and probably got beat up in a couple promos after that. And they had another match. And mm-hmm. and it just, it, to me, I don't think, if anything, you have Public Enemy lose in the first match. Now they're really against the wall, right? Because... Mm-hmm. They came in here, beat your now ass. You, now and now you get into the. Now you think they should do the Rocky Three. They should lose to Club and Lang, and then right. he gets the rematch and yeah. then win. I get where you're, I yes. get where you're going with that. 
what did you see in this match that intrigued you, infuriated you, or just besides it intrigued the me, it, What intrigued me was, other than the, the bleeding stuff, which I'm, I feel like when I watch these four guys, and I just I feel like Rocco Rock was probably a sweetheart of a dude, right? Like just He just seemed like he would be the nicest guy. Um, so, some people thought he was a dick too. So I'm just giving you that. Well, that people hyperbole. think everyone's with all the bad guy in somebody's story, Professor. Even you, mm-hmm. yeah, of course. A no, dudes I'm, on Twitter I'm, I'm a, that you didn't call back. They're mad as hell at you, man. But still, I, I know you the baby face. I know uh, that. I'm a sweetheart. Yeah. But I was pretty pleasantly surprised that the four of these guys looked like they took care of each other. Nobody looked like they were taking liberties. And in that cafe commentary. New Jack said, I didn't care if somebody was stiff because people would say RVD was stiff, I guess. He says, I didn't think RVD was stiff. And he goes, but I also didn't care because if someone hit me hard, I hit him hard back. That's that, that's my philosophy, right? Except mm-hmm. for I'm the guy hitting hard and I expect you to hit me back hard because that's what Bruiser Bedlam taught me. He said, dude, somebody hits you hard, you don't hit them back. They're never giving you another opportunity. So that kind of stuff stays in your head. When, when someone gives you advice, you take it. Or you 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 die wishing you had taken it right. So mm-hmm. I'm watching these guys like Rocco Rock h- hits them with the uh, empty water jug, like the office water jug, but he hits them with the the middle part, not the fucking turn, which would have busted him open and gave him a concussion. Just they just took care of each other. By, by the way, Reflectionites, the Public Enemy and Tommy Dreamer were notorious in their matches because they brought. They, they use whatever the fans gave them right. during the match, TW. So yep. what what was what did they use? Trash can lids, pancake trays, uh, canes, uh, Singapore Singapore canes, the kitchen sinks. I'm just giving you the hyperboles of what the, what was used. You even said you know wrenches and all that. I stuff. watched the guy hand him a wrench, and then he turned and yeah. hit stuff uh, with a wrench. But they they used they, they used the they used the Nintendo sixty four in one match. So I'm just giving you all the all the stuff that they, they used. They come across as nasty boy esque. All four of them, just guys that took liberties. And then when you watch them, not already you don't liberties. like them. No, that was my oh. preconceived notion, my oh, prejudice, okay. if you will. And then when mm-hmm. I watch them, I'm like, these guys are taking care of each other. However, also reflecting back to his kayfabe commentary. The guy was asking him about RVD, and he said, well, I'm not a fan of RVD. He's like, whoa, what do you mean? Like, the wrestler or the person? He goes, the person. And he goes, why? Because you didn't get that gist when he talked about RVD earlier. Uh He said, because I saw him, he did an interview, and someone said something to him and asked him about me, and he said he couldn't work. And I don't know why you get so mad about that. I didn't see the actual interview where RVD said it. But if someone asked me, like, you know, the name game where they say, I'll give you a name. You tell me, can they work or not work? Right. If someone mm-hmm. said New Jack, I think most people are going to say they couldn't work. And I don't necessarily think it's an insult because I, I still think they drew money. I still think they were over. But if you watch them, none of these four guys looked graceful. Right. Like mm-hmm. their bumps weren't that good. They're, you know, like you, you go like as, you watch the wrestlers. Yes, I did. So you watch it, like, you'll hear guys go, nice bump, nice landing. Like, those are the things a worker looks for, like, how you're Mm -hmm. landing. Because your thought is, A, are you making it look real? And B, are you taking care of each other? And these guys are just beating the fuck out of each other. 
remember the term glorify stuntman from Ric Flair to Mick right. Foley. So it's the right. same thing with ECW. But I think, this, I think this, this is one of your pre, this is one of your preconceived notions of the negative right. parts of ECW. Right. You know, right. living up to its hype right there because I understood why you did not like ECW. This match actually proves T, TW's point reflection. Right. So I'm not gonna I'm not gonna try to defend but, but it. I don't, I'm not saying I'm not saying they weren't worthy of being on my TV. I'm not at all. I think they did mm -hmm. what they did well. But it wasn't working. You're not making people think you're hurting each other. You really are hurting each other. There's that's right. the difference between working and not working. And it seemed more like it hurt New Jack's feelings that RVD said that because he said he mm -hmm. didn't understood it because him and RVD never had heat. But now he does because RVD said that. So when someone well, asked him he, in an he, interview, he insulted his craft. So you know, right, this, right. This and is you know, even if it's violent, he, that, he said he thought RVD stuff was shit. Let me just say this. Even if it's violent matches, again, I might not be a fan of like combat zone wrestling reflection nights in right. TW. I might not be a fan of people using light bulbs. I think it's right. ridiculous. But right. I'm not going to. That's somebody. That's, that's the wrestler's the crap. That's, that's the their evolution. crap. Right. You're good that's at that. Yeah, you're good at that crap. I just don't like it. Yeah, you're right. That's but, just not for me. So an RVD didn't insult him. He just said he, could, he couldn't work. And I mm -hmm. think I think New Jack's idea of working is putting asses in the seat, drawing, and that's not what I think RVD meant. He just meant he's not out there doing wrist locks, arm bars, and submission holes. They're mm -hmm. out there beating the shit out of each other. You're not working the crowd. And again, I'm guilty of this. I think I told you a million times. I mm -hmm. would tell people in the back, look, man, hit me back. If you think I'm hitting hard, hit back, because I want people leaving here thinking it's real. And yeah. so we would really lay the shit out of each other. Just bam, just knock. Yeah, I mean, you're not punching each other in the eye socket or the nose. You're not trying to hurt nobody, but you're not trying to look like you're swinging like 13-year-old girls in a fight at the school. You know, mm -hmm. you you want people to link, leave going, man, he really fucked that guy up with that forearm. And that's what I did. I rarely threw punches because I had a very, uh, Mickey would tell me I had shit punches, but I would lay I forearms. All right, I understand what you're going with that, but let me go back into this match, this first match within right. this, because I'll say this because again, I am the most objective man in the IWC, YWC, PWC, Punditry, TW. Again, I, you know, I could be an ECW mark, but I'll say this: the 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 chemistry between these four is kind of like weird in, in certain instances. Again, New Jack has to carry the load a little bit more because Mustafa is not only stiff as shit, but he's but just green. stiff in in this. Maybe green, but because I don't know if, if he if he understands the psychology more than New Jack. New Jack got it. He got right. it with the promos. He got it with you know the presentation in the ring and all that stuff. Mustafa was just there. Rock or Rock and Johnny Grunge again. You, like you said, they probably like the Nasty Boys and all that stuff. But Rock or Rock was more aerial in his attacks, and Johnny Grunge was the bruiser. So it almost looked like a two. It, you know, if you looked at it again objectively, it's kind of like two on one because. New Jack has got to carry the load. He's the one bleeding. Uh, of course, Mustafa cuts himself and all that stuff. Reflection. Don't get me wrong. But Mustafa is just there. That's the way I always took it. So I'm just being fair with my assessment. So, again, you said that the, the public enemy won their first match against them. So, in essence, you're thinking the feud is over and all this stuff. So why even be more invested and more interested in this match? So kind of finish that hyperbole from that assessment. It's just like the threat came from somewhere else, beat you up, laid you out, and then you had a match and you won. So problem solved. That that's mm -hmm. what 
that's how that comes across. I personally would have went for a no contest just because it would have made people leave wanting more. That's the goal. You want people mm-hmm. to leave wanting to come back. And I would be like, damn, they lost already. Especially if some people were happy to see the public en- or the, the gangsters. But did, but did you notice like the Mustafa like critique that I have? Because Mustafa just didn't... Oh, 100%. But yeah. I, I see it a little differently than two-on-one. I, I noticed they they paired off a lot like two would be over here and Mustafa would usually be the one over here and two would be in the ring. And then if they switched up, new Jack would still be the one in the ring because Mm -hmm. he's the one running spots. The other one's just brawling. And I will tell you from 1994 to 2005, when I was wrestling all the time, the wrestling business is full of guys like Mustafa who probably weren't trained who, and I'm not saying he wasn't, but I mean, locally, Probably mm-hmm. weren't trained, knew somebody, had a, a look as far as size, and was just an absolute crowbar in there. One of them, I don't know if it made the news there, one of them, and I wrestled the guy, he ended up being on a nationwide manhunt because he shot and killed a Sterling Heights police officer uh, and stole his gun and went on a bank robbing spree and ended up in Florida where they found him and then had a shootout with the police in Florida and then killed himself while the chick he was living with, who... Again, I don't know who these guys are that have the magic to meet a girl and move into their house a month later or a day after they meet them, but they're out there. And and he made the news. I wrestled that guy three, four times. He had no fucking clue what he was doing. So he had to be led, if you will. And then you know how I rib you? That's how Mm -hmm. a locker room is. Everybody's ribbing everybody in there. And that dude, had I known this guy had psycho inside of him, I would have never done it. I would rip on his tag team partner and rip on other guys. And I would watch him just looking and like getting mad. And I find out from his tag team partners, like, yeah, he doesn't, he doesn't know. He doesn't get how we rib each other. Like he's over there really getting hot. Cause he thinks everyone's shitting on me. I got to fucking smarten him up and tell him, no, no, no. We're, this is how the boys are. And I was like, mm-hmm. all right. And then that shit happened like a month later. So I'm not wow. saying Mustafa Saeed went on a murder spree, but no. I was asking you if you heard about that guy, it was a, I didn't know if the, the news story even said he was a local wrestler because he probably had a day job. But that shit happened in real life with me. I'm wrestling a guy who, well, like you said, him and his partner, the partner did all the working, and that guy mm-hmm. did all the brawling outside yeah. the ring and stuff. But Mustafa, that's a good served, but Mustafa served this purpose, brawling outside and taking little bumps here and there. So with that being said, Reflection Nights, let's go into the second match in I believe it was either Tampa Bay or Fort Lauderdale, Florida. And this match is more infamous, not because of who won TW, but because of what happened after the match. I can tell you who won. I know you'll tell me who wins, <laughs> but I, I know this one This one is vivid because it's part of the ECW intro videos and stuff like that because they used, they used it for a certain period of time. But when the public enemy and the gangsters fought in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, Reflection Nights, and after the match... The public enemy said, everybody come into the ring. But there's a one problem, Reflectionites. This is not a Vince McMahon WWE ring. It's not sturdy. This could be a gymnasium ring. This could be a Home Depot ring that the Mexicans did not build correctly. So what happens when you allow like about 100 people into a ring? Eventually, the ring collapses like an elevator. There's a weight limit. There's a a thousand pounds already in that fucking ring, and the ring implodes naturally, organically. Not like the spots of Brock Lesnar and Big Show TW, but organically. It just broke. It just broke. 
Like Paul Heyman has money to pay for rings. But that's what was so infamous about that's this. Funny. That was my first reaction was mm -hmm. how many people are underneath the side that went that way. And two, Paulie's in the back going, did our fucking ring just, did our ring, we can't fucking get another ring. What do you mean it's broke? But Again, did you, you catch Travis Volts? He's the guy that sealed the deal to make it. Actually, he got down before it broke. But there was a lot well, of the dude with the dude off. with the redhead does look like Travis Bolt. Yes, Travis, he does. Dude, yes. And he's, he does the dance. He does the dance like Public Enemy, as white as white can be. And I was like, "That's Travis <laughs> Wranglers and belt buckle and all." That is Travis. It could have. It could have sure. been. It could have been summertime, and Travis could have went to Fort Lauderdale to go to the yep. beach. This is before Pastor he becomes Pastor Travis. This is before Travis he becomes T Volts the wrestler. This is yeah. this is ninety five. He's just a fan at this point. Yeah, he could have he could have been looking for ring rats, some ECW ring rats. He could have been a little bit devilish here before he got you know no, pasteurized. No, no, because no, I'm going to tell you the only females involved in the ECW show were on it. That audience was one hundred percent dudes. Again, there was I, a little kid. They're in Fort Lauderdale. Just got out of that ring. As it collapsed, and I just stopped. I'm just saying they they they're in Fort Lauderdale. They're they're looking for women on the beach. But anyway, neither here nor there. Yeah. But what say you about this match and who won and all that stuff? Another quick match, mm -hmm. another public anima victory. And I'm just like, what the fuck? I'm just like, what, what what where's the rivalry? This is like the Red Wings beating the Blackhawks every year before the Blackhawks finally got good, or the Oilers beating the Wings. It just it was an and it was not. They weren't screw jobs. They were just pins. And it's, and then the, the last match we're going to talk about is even well, worse. Before we, before we even talk about the last match, again, I'm telling you about the analogy again. they The gangsters are coming in like the bullies. And it didn't matter that they took the losses. They, they took the L's. Because what were they doing? They were. It's kind of like funny because with the ECW mindset, and I'm just speaking for myself. I'm not speaking for any ECW fan because, again, ECW fans, we fight with each other because we know everything. I think I know everything more about ECW than another ECW that's fan. You became an ECW fan. Nah, that, that's why I've been, I'm retired from that shit. That's why I'm the <laughs> professor what I am. But in my youngum days, TW, I would fight with other ECW fans, but we would, it would be a friendly banter right. back and forth because it's out of respect. But we felt like we were in the position to say what was going on. Again, the gangsters were coming in as the bullies, right? They were coming in to, to like, you know, get the public enemy off the mountaintop. But the public enemy, like a switch, you know, turned on because now they had to get back to their roots. Right. Now, again, hindsight's 2020 reflection nights, and TW is absolutely right. Gangsta should have at least won the first match, at least to build some heat, build some steam. To make them have to, to go back to their roots. To make them get darker and edgier, more gangster-like, for you know, in the hood essence of the of the public enema. TW, you're absolutely right. But in this scenario here, is most most likely the switch turned on. Like I got to step up. I'm the I'm the top dog here. You're not taking me off the mountaintop. You got to earn this shit. So no matter what the the gangsters did to them. They made him bleed no matter what. It, it, that still happened. They, they took an ass whipping. That's what happened. But at the end of the day, Rock or Rock probably did his uh, moonsault on the, onto the table and got the one, two, three. It wasn't, it might have been clean, TW, yeah, it but, it yeah. wasn't an, but it wasn't an easy victory. So that's no, my assessment. No, for sure. 
That's that's the way I look at it. it. It's not like the gangsters got played. They weren't enhancement. Right. You know, it wasn't a I'm not, I don't it wasn't a squash, but they earned that win. Public enemy earned that win, but also in essence, they were gaining the respect of the gangsters, and the gangsters was gain was gaining the public enemy's respect. That's the way I took it. So TW, I know you have a different vision. I know in booking sense, yes, you're right. But I'm trying to give you from my fandom. If I'm watching this. No, no, uh, Meltzer, no online fucking pro wrestling editorial, none of that. Mm-hmm. But I knew somebody was leaving. I'd have thought Public Enemy was leaving. Right. But okay. they came in to do a couple jobs and they were done. That that's that's the problem here. Again, like I told you, the the biggest problem was they were the they were free agents. They were the hot free agents and all that stuff. So you know, Paul Heyman milked it for what it was worth. That's that's all I could say. But you know what? Talk about the ambiance about Fort La- the differences between Fort Lauderdale and, e- and the ECW arena. Because, again, ECW tried to venture into different places in the East Coast. And I was not mad. I was more happy that I could see them at Fort Lauderdale. I'm like, OK, we're trying. We're growing as a company, as a fan. I'm like, we're growing. We're, we're trying to get the word out. We're trying to get our name out. Again, I've been telling you this since the inception of the PWR. As an ECW mark, we just wanted to be heard. So that's why in my tribalistic voice, it's like, fuck WWE, fuck WCW. This is where, I keep saying this, ECW saved professional wrestling. Even as rinky-dink it is, even as niche as it was, the two big dogs took from them, but they don't get the credit. That's the way I go with that. So what's ATW? What about the ambiance of the Fort Lauderdale fans? I thought they saved it, but they revolutionized it. They, they, they... First of all, they showed that there still was a want and need for wrestling, even when WCW and WWF were not drawing. Um, mm-hmm. But they weren't drawing more than WWF or WCW. They were just no, drawing a more energized, rabid fan base. Uh, I just watched mm-hmm. something earlier with Ben, and I don't, I'm not sure who the guy is that he was talking with. But that's what AEW should do. AEW should stop. You mean the, uh, the Ben Hamas team? Yeah, yes. I mean, Ben Hamas. They should stop booking these big venues that hold 20,000 and they only get 6,000 people there and book mm-hmm. a 6,000-seat arena and, and have it overflowing because everyone there will be hot for the show as opposed to staring across at all the empty seats and thinking doomsday's near, right? It's definitely a mentality, and it's definitely contagious. So ECW had that. Their right. fan base, it might only been a 1,000 people or 2,000 people, but they every single person there didn't want to be anywhere else in the world than right there, right now. New Jack says this in the, in the kayfabe commentary. When they came to Michigan and they went to Indianapolis, it was like they did like weekend deals right friday saturday they would mm-hmm. fly into detroit wrestle drive to indianapolis wrestle then fly back to wherever they're from and detroit drew 600 it wasn't even detroit it was michigan but i don't know what city they drew 600 there and they drew a thousand at indianapolis and he said the fan base they saw what they saw on tv and they wanted that in person too so i would assume fort lauderdale is no different they're bloodthirsty and mm-hmm. if you haven't really seen it like I hadn't, and all you really know about is the fucking violence and the chairs and the thumbtacks and the Terry Funk and Mick Foley matches, the New Jack and whoever he's wrestling matches, and even oh. RVD and Sabu matches where they're fucking moonsaulting through tables. You want that. 
so basically when they come to these towns in like Fort Lauderdale, the only thing that was weird for me is it looked like the shit that I wrestled for. Like it looked like the high school gym. I like the ECW arena look, which is like the VFW hall or whatever, where it's, it doesn't look like a high school gym. It looks cold and dark and just like, just hole in the wall. Whereas when you see them in this high school gym with the pull out bleachers and all that, it just, it reminded me of the shit I did. And I feel like it lost some of its mojo for how it looked. Lost some of its luster. But, Obviously, the fans were into it because they fucking hopped in the ring and you, broke it. You know what? You know what's funny about the Florida shows with ECW? I don't. I forget if it's a gymnasium or a high school, but they come off the stage. The fans came because the wrestlers had to go down the stairs, but the rest, the the bleacher area was the stage where you was. It kind of like reminded you of the high school, so that's where one of you could call it VIP seating. But you had to come from the back of the the auditorium stage and then go down the stairs and go to the to the arena. So, I mean, to the ring. So that I'm just giving you the. I don't so know if this was the same. They had fans on the stage. Yeah, they had fans on the I, stage. I wrestled in Cleveland. I've wrestled uh, Cleveland. I remember for certain. Um, but I wrestled a uh, bunch of places. The stage was the locker room. They mm. had the curtain up, and then mm. they have another curtain, and we were behind the second curtain. And, you, you know, you're whispering because people are out. You could hear the murmur of the crowd, but the stage was where the where the wrestlers were. And then when we came to the ring, they had, they had to milk it for money. So you had to do what you had to do. So that's the VIP I area. I can't remember. I can't remember how. Oh, it must have been steps that went up onto the stage and they had mm-hmm. it roped off for an aisle. Because that's where I slapped that fan. And when I got up on the stage, he tried getting on the stage. And I stood over him and said, I fucking dare you to come up here. Because he's going to end up right back in the crowd. As soon as he's halfway up, he's getting the cane boot to the face and falling off of that stage. Which I would be in my right to do because now he's trespassing, right? So, Mm -hmm. But to have fans up there, man, that's that's insane. Because I guess they're coming out of the door from a locker room then. Could be, but that I remember vividly in the in the Florida area. I don't know if this is the same venue, but there's they were there was VIPs on the stage, so and the wrestlers like went on the sides. Yeah, it was like their balcony, and they went down the stairs of the stage. So it was like a high school. It reminds you of a high school auditorium with that feel of the stage. You go down, and then they went to the ring. So that with that being said, reflection nights. You know, with the floor, you know, Florida. Championship wrestling from Florida, the Dusty Rose days, the TW. That's what they were trying. He was Paul Heyman was trying to capture that essence and that feel of championship wrestling from Florida because again, Paul Heyman felt what you know Dusty Rhodes felt that you know Florida was a hotbed of wrestling and people were not tapping into that because there was a tradition, if you will. But with that being said, let's talk about one more high-profile match, TW. And this was a triple threat, but it's part of the, the standard of the rivalries. I believe it was for the ECW World Tag Team Championships, but neither of them were tag team champions coming into this match. It was Stevie Richards and Raven against the gangsters and against the public enema. And TW did not like this match for a bunch of reasons. So I like the floor is yours, TW, about how bad it was. It's not that it's bad. It's first it's of all, bad. 10 minutes book. long. In total. Mm-hmm. Okay. First of all, second of all, because that's first of all. Second of all, the gangsters attack public enema before the champs are even out there, mm-hmm. beat the shit out of them, bloody them up. 
which takes at least three or four minutes up. So that means Raven and Richards are only in it for six of the ten, maybe even less than that. Then they say the first fall is the crucial one. So I'm like, all right, whoever wins has got to win two falls. I like that idea, right? That ain't what it was. First fall eliminated somebody. And not two, three minutes in after Raven and Richards come out and they double teamed public enemy. Like they worked together until New Jack mm-hmm. punched Stevie because Stevie was kind of being annoying. Raven was mm-hmm. being tough with him. Stevie was like, I want to work with you. You know, they had the comedy tragedy situation. And once that happened, they were all fighting. And then Rocco, or no, Rocco, Grunge just fucking schoolboys New Jack. One, two, three. And then Joey Simon goes, Rocco Rock and Johnny Grunge have just eliminated. And I'm like, what? They're eliminated? And they're out. And now it's just the other two versus Public Enemy. And then I think uh, New Jack gave him like a little mule kick on his way out. And they just left. So the bloodthirst mm-hmm. is gone. They don't even care. If anything, they should then beat the shit out of Public Enemy. And then Richards and Raven retain. Instead, they fucking put uh, Raven through a table. Threw him out the ring and then pinned Stevie and won the tag votes for the fourth time. You want me to defend this? I can defend this really well. Please defend. Because again, because again the analogy was with this blood feud, Reflectionites, the eye on the prize was the ECW tag team titles, which the public enemy didn't have right. within, the, within this feud because this was the hurdle. The gangsters wanted the spot. But also they wanted the tag team titles, but they had to get through they had to get the public enemy out of the way to get to their overall goal in being the ECW tag team champions. But with that being said, Raven, the, the manipulative you know way he is, got you know his hands on the ECW tag team titles, meaning that he won up the public enema and all that stuff. So now you got the all three combatants in this match, and the public enemy can you know take you know overcome two obstacles their blood feud and then the eye on the prize they took care of one and they took care of one hurdle which was the blood feud and now they can hone in on what their focus was and to become four-time ecw tag team champions just like the rock and roll express were focused on becoming four-time nwa tag team champions so again i'm trying because i'm an ecw mark to defend this I know you're going to give me that smirk. Like, the, the professor's full of shit. You could try all you might, but this match made no sense. Right, TW? It just it asks the question. This is not my question I have for you. It begs the question, why did you even bring the gangsters in? I have yet to see them win a match in this blood feud. And so my question to you is, did they ever beat Public Enemy? Probably in non-televised house shows, if I'm not mistaken. So they, they never beat them on TV or pay-per-view. There was no pay-per-view, but they never beat on TV that they were selling oh. on DVDs or, or VHS tapes at that time. There was supposed to be a blow-off because they impl- because it was supposed to be a six-man called Gangsta's Paradise. It was their it was the the straight to v- VHS tape where they were that was a big event because it was supposed to be the public enemy and Mikey Whipwreck because during the vignettes, the public enemy was training Mikey Whipwreck to become hardcore gangster too. So, you know, he was becoming, he was morphing from Vanilla Ice into Eminem, but the public enemy was their Mickey, you know, was Mickey and, you know, Mikey Whitbread was like Rocky and all that stuff, but neither here nor there. And it was supposed to be against, it was them three against the gangsters and the Sandman. 
because again, Mikey and Sammy had their own program for the ECW title. Neither here nor there. But again, remember I told you earlier, Mustafa, you know, his head wasn't on straight. I don't know. Maybe he might have did a hike. He might have like rode with OJ Simpson down a freeway and all that stuff. I don't know. But he didn't make that date. So they had to pull an alternate and they substituted Mustafa with two cold Scorpio. And the funny thing is, because of that substitution, we got an untapped tag team in ECW, and that was two Cole Scorpio and the same man because they became tag team champions. But neither here nor there. I just I digress. So I'm just trying to give you the hyperboles. That was the blow off, and that was where the Public Enemy and Mikey Whipwreck got their revenge on you know the get on supposedly the gangsters and the Sandman, where Mikey Whipwreck pinned the Sandman in that cage to accentuate that feud, and Mikey Whipwreck would become the ECW Heavyweight Champion. So I'm just trying to give you the logistics there. So with that being said, Reflectionites, let's end this TW on, I'm going to go first because, again, I'm going to defend why this is one of the greatest ECW rivalries of all time because, again, the analogy is all there because, like I said, they were on the mountaintop. They were, there, was nowhere else to, there was nowhere else for the public enemy to go but down. So you just needed the great antagonizers to do that. You needed the great antagonizers to wake you up and to put and make you focus, you know, to, you know, the old saying, don't slip, just don't slip anymore. And the gangsters were the perfect antagonizers for the public enemy to keep their head on straight, to keep focused on what needed to be done. And to, you know, it's like the law of the jungle, TW. If a lion is coming after another lion because you want to be the king of the jungle, you got to defend your kingdom. So TPE had to defend their kingdom, especially the tag team division. Not only they did that, but they became four-time ECW Tag Team Champions. But your conspiracy actually accentuates the, pro the, the, the thing that I was saying. Being top free agents, TW, like, like they were, and then they would eventually leave, this is the, the idea where your, your conspiracy theory is right. They trapped the public enemy winning this match. It probably made no sense. I think the gangsters should have won this tag team title match with all this the the formula and, and the rules and all that bullshit because you could have had you know, they could have cheated their way to become tag team champions and it would have made sense because then they look like chicken shit gangsters to win it no matter what but then i i know how you don't like heel versus heel because then it would be like the gangsters against raven and stevie and that's two heels and that breaks off the chemistry and like it just the makes fans. the crowd less interested yes yeah, it makes the, the crowd less interested but like you said Maybe Paul Heyman had no ch wanted to put the titles on them to kind of like delay the inevitable. You know what I'm saying, TW? To because you, you run have the risk those belts, champs. That's that was what I was gonna say. But Paul Heyman probably thought that they were gonna be honorable, you know, for the business. Not honorable to ECW, like, but honorable because if I'm gonna give you those tag team championships, you'll stay as long as you know you have those and not disrespect it. And, and take it like Mike Austin did in 2000. So let's say about that assessment. Right. As we close on Bishop, this Hey, don't put no belts in those guys. They'll leave with them. You know, that kind of stuff. I, I just, I don't get it. I don't, I, how much longer were they there before they left? The public enema? Yeah. Uh, they stayed until about maybe Thanksgiving of 1995. And then and when, they kind of like that? went off. When was and that they, belt? When did they lose the belt? When did they win the belt? When was this match? 
I would say this is this might have been like late September, early October. Oh, so they didn't stay long. <laughs> no. Oh wow. Yeah, I mean, but I, your conspiracy I, I theory it. works I, out because, like you're saying, like maybe maybe Paul Heyman is trying to hold on, and this is the only way he could think about it because he can't beat, he can't, he, he can't outpay Bischoff, he can't outpay Vince McMahon, but he can put the belts on them, and then hopefully you're traditionalist. And you respect the business so much that you won't do what like Mike Austin did. You won't do like Medusa Michelli did. Take the belt onto another program. So what's ATW? Shane and Douglas. we'll close it. Hmm? Like Shane Douglas did on the same program. Shane Douglas never did it. Fuck it. He's like, fuck this belt. Do it in a garbage can and said, this is the belt. No, he did that because it was he was supposed to do that. that that's the difference. He didn't. Right. But I'm yeah. saying they shit on an entire organization just leaving the NWO or NWO, NWA. Mm -hmm. no, I, 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 I just feel like probably behind the scenes, Paulie's like, look, man, don't go. I'm going to make you guys the best ever. You're going to go over on Public Enemy every single time, and you're going to be champs. It's going to be great. And then finally, like, hey, man, we're putting it on Ellis. All right. Who they lose the belts to? Too cold in the same, man. That makes me feel like if I was New Jack Mustafa, I'd be like, what the fuck? Like, that's who should have won them belts. Unless Mustafa was gone after that. Is no, eventually, uh, don't worry. Eventually, the gangsters would be in the tag team scene and the tag team championship scene in 1996 because they would be in a high-profile feud with the Eliminators. But that's another story for another day. With that being said, we close on the Greatest Rivalries Edition, ECW Greatest Rivalries Edition, the public enema, <laughs> a.k.a. the public enemy against the gangsters. And I'm just happy. I'm so giddy. And I'm, I'm just glad that I got TW to watch more ECW. Again, TW, you know... This ain't a five-star Meltzer classic, but it kind of brought a little bit of the old Southern wrestling blood feud kind of, you know, formula with it. You know, they all bled. They all went out, you know, it went everywhere in the arena like it was supposed to be. You know, there wasn't no headlocks and no wrist locks and all that stuff. But the only thing that that probably that TW doesn't like Zach nice was the logic. He booked it a or different way. Or lack of it. So with that being said, we close on this on this rivalries edition. What we're gonna do next week? Maybe we might do a little spotlight. We might hone in on a spotlight. Maybe we might do a movie. I haven't thought about, you know, it's been a while since we've done a movie. Or maybe we'll go episodic, but I'll keep you on your toes, reflection. I'll keep you on your toes. DW, give out those socials so we can get out there. I would just like to say, in fairness, to be fair. <laughs> It had no chance of being a five-star Meltzer classic because in order to be that, it has to either be in Japan or AEW, and it was neither of those things. Absolutely. So, mm -hmm. And they had to be wearing tight, like, little briefs for Meltzer, like, I'm not baggy shorts and pants, like the public enema and gangsters wore. I should, By I the should. way, they stole the name of those Rios tag team finishing maneuver. It was called the Drive-By, which was the Vegematic. We did it better than Midnight Express, and I don't even know what the hell... Rocco did a moonsault, and they called it the drive-by. That should have been the flip-by or the fly-by. It shouldn't have been the drive-by. But I digress. Pro Wrestling Coalition see, see, But wait, wait, before you do that, see how everybody steals from everybody? But you was in the Detroit area. You was in the Midwest. Oh, I, I wouldn't have known this. I Los Rios were. We were making saying, the rounds. We were in the they, tape trades, damn it. But again, they're scouts. There are scouts everywhere, even in the Indies. So Paul they Hughes heard you. shows I was on. 
I'm just saying. I'm just saying. But he would still. I was still Tommy Wonder, though. He didn't see Los Rudos. He saw too hot Tommy Wonder. He he would steal. That's why he stole the drive-by. So thank you, TW. Thank you, Los Rudos, for having a move that I saw on the East Coast. And I thought that the public enemy were were, uh, the creators of it. So thank you for TW. No, it wasn't the same move. They stole the Mm -hmm. name. I'm just saying, thank you for take for, for Paulie taking the name from y'all. So, you know. I said it on, man. Los Rudos versus Public Enemy. Losers can't call their finisher the drive-by. There you go. So, give out the right. socials. So, the Pro Wrestling Coalition Network sponsors us at PWC Network at podbean.com. Or you can also find Hameen Media Group there at Hameen Media Group at podbean.com. And Hameen Media Group is also at channelattitude.com. Our show is on X at PW Reflection. That's where you can also find Travis Bolts, because I mentioned him, so I'm going to tell you he's at Nuts and Bolts PW. That's Nuts and Bolts, B-O-E-L-T-Z, PW. And you can find Big Ray Hernandez everywhere on social media. You name it, he's on it, and you find him by typing in at Big Ray Hernandez with a Z. And then grinder, you can find grinder. him every make, make Wednesday. Sure, make, sure, make sure it's the Grinder app. So and the Grinder app. And then you can find him every Wednesday live, I believe at 11 a.m. Eastern time. Next Level Podcast. Is it a podcast? Is it still a podcast if it's live? Uh, yeah. Next Level Podcast. You can find me on Instagram at TommyWonder19, also on the X. And you can also find me at the Tommy Wonder on TikTok, as well as the X. And then Snapchat is number wonder, Facebook.com backslash Tommy Wonder. And threads is that Tommy Wonder 19. Where, do, where, where do they where do they where do they slide in so they can, you know, buy your uh, stuff, the, the the stuff that you want to sell? Uh, you know what? I I don't know. Maybe maybe uh maybe uh, think about it. Think about it from next week. Marketplace. You can share my Facebook marketplace post on the hustle page or there Instagram-ish. Uh, okay. Anyways, Big Vito and the Well can be found at bigvitobrand.wixsite.com or patreon.com backslash the Big Vito brand. And you can catch the early release of the reflection video at twitch.tv backslash the Big Vito brand. Or Big Ray if he feels like he want to upload it on his Twitter, but neither here nor there. But you can find me on my Twitter or Xer at PWSOPROF. That's PWSOPROF. And if this gets uploaded by 8-Track Brown, Dirtiest of the City, this will be on the PWSL YouTube Networks. Follow my brothers in arms, 8-Track Brown, you know, the king of the reactions at the number 8, TRAC Brown. And, of course, the man of the Wednesday locker room with himself, the Andrew Bello and Steve King. Billy Ray Valentine at Obi when you know me. And again, next week, we might go episodic. We might do a, a spotlight. We might do a movie. You never know with me. You I never know. You, on your toes. you never know. I keep you on your toes. And with that being said, I'm the professor. That's Mr. Wonderful. Dum Dum doing it. It's on. Tommy Wonder saying good night. And we'll see you next time here at the PWR Podcast at the, P- at the Hami Media Group at podbeam.com. Put the X for the gangsters out there, TW. Peace! Here come the high stopper. What am up? <laughs> that was so bad. That was it so was nice. on purpose. That was so I bad. can't believe they ain't fucking. <laughs>